And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with us this day. Hey, Kevin, haven't seen you since last year. It's been a while. It's been at least since a, last year. a week or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, but today we want to talk a little bit about, well, the abridgment of liberty that is crowding in on the United Kingdom faster than us. And certainly Canada is experiencing more of an abridgment of liberty and this is a video that was taken in the UK, and I want to set it up because our listeners obviously aren't going to see this, Bill. I just let you see a piece of it. But uh, the scene is very simple. There's a woman standing on the side of the sidewalk, about as inconspicuous as you can imagine. No signs around her. No signs. Just in she front hasn't of a said hedge. anything yet. She's just standing there um, like nobody's business. Across She's the, just and, right yeah. there. And okay. across the street is. Well, I think on one side or on the other is an abortion clinic. Right. But uh, but there's a police officer that has approached her, and this is in the UK. Uh, this is in the United Kingdom, and a nation that was affected by a Christian law over a period of a thousand years plus. Of course, that's uh, disappeared, and Elizabeth II is passed. So this is post-Christian era, and this is what happens. I want I, folks. I have never seen anything like this before. This this video blew me away. Now, listen to the approach as the police officer addresses this poor woman standing by herself at the side of this uh, sidewalk in the UK. Here we go. Um, before I ask you any questions about what's going on today, I have to caution you, which is just your right, which is you do not have to say anything. It may harm your defense if you do not mention one question, something that you later on report, anything you do say may be given uh, what, what are you here for today? Uh, physically, I'm just standing here. Okay. Why, why here of all places? I know you, you don't live nearby. But this is an abortion centre. Okay. That's why you're Is you standing here part of the protest? No. I'm are not you, protesting. Are you, are you praying? I, I might be praying in my head. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you once more, will you voluntarily come with us now to the police station for me to ask you All right, questions? it's good enough. That's the arrest. Okay, so there she stands on a sidewalk in the UK, and what does he say? He says, uh, what are you doing here? She said, well, it's the abortion clinic. I know where I am. And he said, what are you doing? She's saying, I'm praying. No, no he asks her, he are said, you praying? He said, are you praying? Right. And she says, I might be in my head. Thought crimes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I know of a period of time in human history in which that happened. Uh, this is Orwellian, yes, right. This is a thought crime. This is uh, this is not Charles II, James II, putting people to death because they refused to take an oath or whatever it was. And this is not Stalin. This isn't Lenin. This is uh, this is a person standing there all by herself on the side of a road, and she's being arrested for something she's thinking in her head. Ah, uh, that's George Orwell. Yeah, we are nineteen eighty four. That's as tyrannical. As anything I've ever seen. And she is arrested. Scary. Do you agree with that? Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. As she was arrested, taken down for this. It's interesting. This is zerohedge.com. He says, pro-life woman arrested, silently praying. The greater threat inherent in these kinds of laws, the public space protection order, is that they can be broadly interpreted and are often broadly applied over time. Once a government is given the power to arbitrate antisocial behavior and punish citizens for something as subjective as ideas, 
that offend other citizens. The society is now on the fast track to full-blown tyranny. The government is no longer a protector of rights and is now an oppressor of liberties. You agree with that? Yep. She, she was charged with four counts of failing to comply with a public space protection order. Um, now, wow. Now, what does that mean? Public space protection order. That's so bad. if That's you're standing, bad. if you're standing in a place and they, they think that you are, you know, violating a public space protection order, you can be arrested for what you're thinking. You know, why don't the police go arrest people who are robbing banks and killing babies? Oh, wait. Okay. That's what they're doing in the clinic. Yeah. They're killing babies in the clinics while arresting women for praying silently on street corners. That's what And they're robbing the, the public coffers by subsidizing those abortions. Thank you. This is the very tip-top highest possible expression of hypocrisy and evil that you will see, especially in Western nations. And friends, oh wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. This is bad. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live you can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. Back on the Generations broadcast, Kevin Swanson, your host with you this time, Bill Jack with me. Wow, a woman is arrested on a street corner in the UK for praying in her head, Bill. Praying in her head. Well, we need to create what they call a buffer zone around certain areas or buildings that are public and prohibit activities that, according to UK authorities, foster, quote, antisocial behavior, end quote. I think I, think I need a bubble zone around you. Because you have a lot of antisocial behavior thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, w- we often look at police as our protectors, right? Yeah. On the sides of cars, it says to serve and protect. Not so much. No, these are jackbooted thugs. Uh huh. These are the brown shirts right. of our day. Right. And we need to be aware that these are people who are paid to know the law, who are paid to know what citizens' liberties are to protect citizens' liberties, such as free speech. And yet in this case, we have three police officers who patter down 
and then Carter off. These police officers are the criminals here. Yes. I mean, let's make make this straighten. And they don't have the courage to stand up to their superiors and say, "I'm not going to execute this order." Oh, absolutely. This right. is this is right. Th- you know this this goes back to the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. These are the same people that would roll over the Jews. Yes. If they were given the car keys, because because they were ordered to. That's right. I was just following orders. That's right. Now, here, here's a point that I want to make. And, of course, our assumption is that the civil magistrate is not God on earth and cannot do whatever it wants to do. Mm-mm. The civil magistrate ceases to be the civil magistrate when they're doing this kind of thing. I mean, the very definition of magistrate is that which, what, punishes evildoers as described by God's law. The right for the civil magistrate to be the civil magistrate is established by what? The people? I don't think so. No. By God. And defined by God. Now, let me give you an example, Bill. I, I'm going to play this out just a little bit. Let's say there was a king, the king of Bavaria or somewhere, and this king spent his days and nights robbing banks in Zimbabwe. That's what he did. He did that for months and for years on end. He lived in Zimbabwe and robbed banks in Zimbabwe. That's what he did. He didn't do anything else. Now, is he the rightful king of Bavaria with the authority and position to exercise justice? Let me think about that. No. Exactly. See, let, here, here's, so wait, here's let me, my let point. Let me pray about that in my head. Here, no, don't bother. Okay. Here's the point, and we're going to take it from Romans 13 because we go straight to the text. There's a point at which you surrender your rights to be the king. You've surrendered your right to rule. Now, I'm not saying I know exactly where that line lies, but there is a line. The point is, at some point, you step over the line. The right for any civil magistrate to rule is contained in the words of Romans 13. And let me read these to you. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Now, who are these? Well, there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, for rulers are what? Okay, let's define it for a minute. Minister of God. They are defined as a terror to good works, but not to good works, but to the evil. That is, the civil magistrate is not to be a terror to a woman who's praying in her head on a street corner in the UK, but they are a terror to that which is evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have the praise of the same. Which is what? Which is the praise of the magistrate that is acting as a magistrate and going after that which is evil. He's a minister to God to bring about punishment upon that which does evil as defined by God's law. And to the extent that he refuses to do that, then he has given up his right to rule. He is the minister of God to thee for good, defined as such. If you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain. He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that does evil. Not a minister to execute wrath upon him or her that does that which is good. And certainly if he is doing that, he's ministering wrath upon that which is good, and he does not minister the wrath upon that which does evil, then he has forfeited his right to rule he to has, that extent. He has absolute right to do good and absolutely no right to do evil. Exactly. So should he be arresting women for praying in front of abortion clinics or should he be going after the evildoer? Now, as it turns out, this is an irony. I got the second article directly after I received the first article from ZeroHedge.com. This is uh, British police have failed to solve, get this, 1,145,254 thefts and burglaries, according to the Labor Party. 
Police forces in England and Wales unable to solve these thefts and burglaries in the year ending June 2022, according to an analysis by the Labour Party of the UK. The shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper says domestic burglaries cost victims an average of 1,400 pounds and help to drive up insurance premiums for everybody. She told The Telegraph, this is disgraceful. Theft and burglary are awful crimes and should be properly investigated, not just left for the victims to make an insurance claim. Um, now, friends, this is key. Here, here's here's what Sir Ian Duncan Smith is saying of the conservative party. He says, the problem is that the leadership of the police have succumbed to politically correct bullying on this to the extent that the last thing on their priority list seems to be dealing with crime. Isn't that interesting? Now, that's disconnected from the ZeroHedge.com article. This is just simply a conservative leader of the conservative party in England saying the police are so busy bullying the those that are not acting according to the politically correct uh, manner that they would expect people to uh, to act, uh, then they're actually not going to be uh, doing the things that they're called to do. So that's pretty much what yeah. I've been saying. It's it's yeah. you know he's saying they're so busy bullying the average ordinary people. Uh, to the extent that the last thing on their priority list is actually dealing with crime. <laughs> so that's where they are right now. Yeah, because the magistrates are furthering evil and punishing good. Yeah. So, so, so busy, what is a Christian so do? busy addressing that, which is good and punishing that, which is good that they have no time to deal with that, which is evil, nor, uh, nor any inclination to do so. Yeah. And here's Duncan Smith. Again, the police service should be the police force. And should be there to enforce the law. People want them to investigate crimes. In the last 12 months, 1.145 million thefts and burglaries and no action. Uh, earlier this year, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, told the BBC the proportion of reported burglaries attended by an officer from the force has fallen to 50%. So only in half the cases where there's somebody breaking into your house does the police even show up. Uh, less than half the cases. And further on, um, a letter uh, that is signed by uh, one of the uh, the UK uh, leaders, Home Secretary uh, Braverman. Uh, she said she expected the police to cut homicide, serious violence, and neighborhood crime by 20%. Crime and policing is expected to be a major issue during the next general election. The proportion of crimes in England and Wales that end with a charge or court summons has fallen since 2015, reaching only 5.6% in the year up to March 2022, and that's down from 7.1% the previous year and down from 15% seven years ago. Uh, Two million criminal investigations in the last year led to no suspect being identified, including 300,000 violent crimes. Think about 300,000 rapes and murders, um, 95% of rapes and murders, no suspect even identified. That's pretty much a useless civil magistrate. That's a civil magistrate doing nothing. Uh, this is, I, I don't know what they pay for their civil magistrate in the UK, but I'm guessing it's, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars and they're not getting anything for it as in nothing. So that's pretty disgusting, my friends. And that's exactly what happens to a nation that no longer pays attention to Romans 13. This is a nation that's abandoned God's law wholesale. You're talking about a 65% drop off in faithful administration of justice in just what the last six or seven years, a 65% increase in the anarchical trend in England and Wales in just the last five or six years. This thing is out of control. And this is what liberals or leftists do. Three things on their to-do list. This is what the leftists are doing that are controlling the magistrate in the UK today. 
First thing on their to-do list on any given day, kill more babies. Secondly, prosecute people praying silently on streets uh, with the little thought crime units. And then thirdly, let bad guys do whatever they want to do, rob banks, mug little old ladies, and kill more babies. So that's that's the agenda for the cops in England today. Uh, and that question, of course, is why? People say, well, that's just insane. Why in the world do they degrade themselves to these levels? What's going on? What's the worldview operating? And the worldview, I think, is obvious, friends. They're all about breaking God's laws. That's what they're intentionally, consciously, self-consistently applying themselves to do. They rejoice in those who break God's laws. They love to break God's laws themselves. They're unrestrained in their desire to promote wickedness and condemn righteousness. They do just the opposite of whatever God's law tells them to do. And why is that? You think about somebody, like a, a kid. Let's say you have really, you know, bad two-year-old. and you, you tell him to do this, and he does that. Tell him not to do this, and he does it. You know, and, and just does it all day long. What's the problem? It's just all that rebellion. Bill, that's what it is. Yeah. These people have set themselves against the Lord and his anointed. If the Bible says a... They will say not a. If the Bible says not a, they will say a. I mean, they're just, this is what they are. This is what a post Christian nation looks like. It's just a nation that will do everything it can possibly do to violate God's laws. They know about God, they know about his law, and they hate him. And they break that law at every single point. And this is what happens when you're turning away from a thousand years of Christian heritage. Uh, they're just really, really, really focused on breaking the laws of God. Proverbs 17, 15 says, He who justifies the wicked, he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. That fits exactly with what's going on with these uh, these police officers in the UK today. Yeah. yeah. And it's those in authority are now shaking their fist at the one who has all authority. They're shaking his their fist in his face and say, You don't have you don't you don't you don't judge me. You don't rule over me. You're not the boss over me. We are autonomous. And as a result, then we end up with tyranny, not liberty. And anarchy. Yeah. It's interesting yet both tyranny and anarchy. Uh, both uh, the UK government encouraging tyranny and anarchy at the very same time. Effectively, it's just the encouragement of individual breaking of God's law and the the increase in crime on the individual level, and it's the violation of God's law on the corporate level as well, and uh, and the persecution of the righteous. That's precisely the agenda of the UK today, friends, in a post-Christian age. So what is the option? of God-fearing folks who want to raise their children in a safe uh, location. Uh, just a couple of comments on this. So what kind of application do do we take from this? The first application is lock and load. But my guess is that's not happening in Britain very much. <laughs> United Kingdom, wonder, friends, big, big, why. big uh, gun control measures, yeah. almost more so than you know most other nations in the world. Only 2 million guns in the UK. There's... 434 million in America. So got a little bit of an issue with that. But here's what's also interesting. Uh, crime rate, violent crime rate, victims of crimes in the UK last year, two in 100. Two people out of every 100 persons have been victims. That's actually a lot. That's one in 50. That's a lot. Yeah. You think about, you know, my church. Let's say I've got, you know, two, 300 people in the church. That means six to eight people in your church are going to be victims of a violent crime this year. That's that's way higher than the United States. The United States is four in a thousand. That's something? Really? UK is what is that? That's about twenty times 
the uh, the rate of violent Four crime in the UK as in the United States, as opposed to yeah. two and a hundred. But everybody's safe because they don't have guns. You know right. what guns do? Exactly, they shoot people. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, friends, uh, th- that's that's the deal. That's the deal. An armed society is a polite society, but only if there's enough self-government to handle oneself, and there's not much of that these days. So what do you do? Well, lock and load, and that's been a deterrent. I believe it's been a good deterrent, United States. You're in favor of the Second Amendment, I'm guessing. Absolutely, because if you don't have the Second Amendment, you don't have the First Amendment. Or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's the purpose of the Second Amendment was to protect citizens against the tyranny of the state. The yeah. tyranny of the government had nothing to do with hunting. It had nothing to do with with sports. It had to do with protecting and defending individual rights against yeah. the tyranny of a of a government that had gone rogue. The other thing you can do is raise your family in a safe place. Now, I think that's an obligation, but don't be paranoid about it. And here's one more thing: be careful. You've got to watch the data. Conservative states are not necessarily the safest states. In fact, he, he, here are the highest violent crime rates. In the country, Alaska, Arizona, Tennessee, Missouri, South Carolina, South Dakota, they're all Republican states. Most violent states in America, friends, Tennessee. Tennessee is like number two. Is that Number three, yeah. Very violent state. Missouri, same thing. South Carolina, South Dakota, Alaska. Safest states in America are also somewhat Republican. Idaho, Wyoming, Maine, New Hampshire, and Virginia. Safest for violent crime in America. And now we're talking about four to five times safer than Tennessee. Wow. So like way safer than Tennessee. Is it because of the the big cities? Yeah. Memphis? Typically, yeah. yeah. Typically your rural cities, rural counties are going to be safer than cities, but not always. So again, you've got to just be aware. That's all I'm saying. Be aware of where you are. Keep in mind, violence is not the only problem we're concerned with either. The world creeps in. The dangers of sin are all around us. And this is where I want to make an application in just a second. But, you know, there's there's a lot of anger. You say, well, where, where in the world violent crime comes? Well, murder certainly comes from anger. So when there's anger and control in the house, that's a problem. That's a sin. Let's, let's be concerned about sin because sin is the root issue. Hypocrisy, lying, pride, pornography, sexual sin can be extremely leavenous or it kind of spreads through a society, spreads to churches, et cetera, et cetera. The worst states for sexual sin by offender registries are Oregon, Montana, Arkansas, Wyoming, South Dakota and Alaska, again, very similar to the violent crime states. Um, so very bad, very bad states. Oregon, Montana, Arkansas, Wyoming, South Dakota, and Alaska, very bad states. Michigan, Wisconsin, and Texas are, are bad as well. Best states are Florida, New Mexico, and Arizona when it comes uh, to the registries. And uh, the STD rates, they've got that too. STD rates very high in the South, but uh, not so bad in the North and the West. Same thing for the divorce rates. Alcohol, drug abuse as well. Okay, so the worst states for drug abuse, absolute worst states, Tennessee. So Tennessee shows up in a number of cases as being a very bad state. Vermont, West Virginia, Kentucky, Maine, Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada, Indiana. Very bad, very, very bad for drug abuse. Best states are the Dakotas, Minnesota, Nebraska. Idaho, Texas, and Utah. And in general, the farm states sort of right in the center are some of the better places to be. Nebraska, Kansas, sometimes the Dakotas. As far as use of abortion, abortifacients are concerned, the most pro-life states, there's generally no difference between the states when it comes to the use of abortifacients, uh, when it comes to the percentage of kids who make it out of the womb, etc. The only pro-life states left by public opinion 
That is assuming that Kentucky went pro-abortion in the 2022 elections, and I'm assuming that. They went pro-abortion by about a 53-47 vote. Very bad. Right. Very, very bad. Right. Uh, Kentucky used to be one of the better states, but now the only pro-life states, based on the Kentucky vote, the only pro-life states by public opinion in America are what? Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. That's it. I think we're going to wind up with about two, three, four states that are pro-life when the dust settles because Americans are so used to killing babies and doing it for 50 years. Uh, only pro-life states left where you've got something of a public opinion that sways in the direction of uh, pro-life. Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. Some say South Carolina's got a shot at, shot at it as well. We'll see how all that works out. But friends, let me just wrap this up and say, you know what? Every state, every local area has its sins. And the question, the most important question is, are you, are you part of a godly church? And are you moving to an area in which you're going to be part of a godly community where the word of God is preached, where there's good spiritual accountability? And where the entire church is walking in the light and we're getting a good, strong message of what the word of God says to us, what sins to repent of and where we need to run to Jesus. That's that's the main question. Will the church be a shining light in Tennessee? Will the church be a shining light in Colorado? Will the church have good, solid preaching the gospel, addressing the saving sins of the day and exercising faithful church discipline on the on the issue? Lousy churches that don't preach the whole counsel of God or the gospel in a clear and straightforward fashion, stay away from those churches, stay away from those communities. You want churches that are very watchful, very aware of the prevalent sins of the area, and they're preaching a clear message on these things. The church is called to be holy. The word of God says, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord. Whether it be sins of abortion, sins of sexual sin, whatever it is, the church is to be holy, guys. The church is to be set apart from the rest of the world. The church is always to be a testimony to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit of God upon the souls of men. Each local Christian church will be characterized by holiness, sexual purity, a purging of idolatry, a rejection of worldliness, of lust and pride, and the love of the brothers and sisters. And where that doesn't happen at all, Jesus will come in and strip the candlesticks. Uh, where there's the church of Pergamos or Thyatira in which Jezebel just gets to run roughshod over everybody and there's no call to repentance on sins like homosexuality, or pornography, or you fill in the blank, friends, uh, that's where the candlesticks go out. Uh, so what we're saying is the church needs to be faithful. Uh, yeah, we, sinners come in, but they're called to repentance. They're, they're called to faith in Christ. They're called to a life that's transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what you want to see. So again, we're not looking for a perfect place on earth, but we're looking for a place in which the Word of God is taught and, uh, and, and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit of God is transforming lives. That, my friends, has got to be happening today. It's got to be happening in every state around America, and hopefully it's starting right here with me and right there with where you are and where you're going to church today. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. Uh, you can interact with our program by emailing me at host at generations.org. And here's one more thing I encourage you to the story of freedom, which, by the way, right now we're losing the legacy of freedom in almost every country in the world. Uh, freedom has been disappearing, according to Freedom House, Heritage Foundation, et cetera. It's been disappearing now for about 15 years. Christian influence about gone. So where do we go from here? Well, we've got to raise our children with a biblical world and life view and an appreciation for religious freedoms, for freedoms of speech for the basic freedoms that were given to us by a thousand years of Christian influence in the Western world. Just about gone in the UK, just about gone in the United States. But let's pass on a heritage of freedom to our children, grandchildren. It's the only shot we have left on planet Earth. Get a copy of The Story of Freedom. It's a vision for freedom. 
It's the history of freedom that we need to pass on to our children. Get a copy of the story of freedom at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time. We continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.